hello. Anybody there? I am here. Oh, hey, there you are. How's it going? Good. Good to see you. Yeah, you're like on a treadmill today. Uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. You are oh, the fo- fourth one of the day. So ah! we're going to have a uh, a busy next week uh, sharing all these episodes. So I'm really excited to, oh. to get the ball rolling with you as well. So how's everything going for you? Where are you at these days? I am uh, for another month. Um, I am here in Southwest Florida, Northwest, um, North Fort Myers. Um, and then I go back to my home in Western New York. Oh, really? Okay. Six months months there and six months here. So I don't see any of that white stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Wyoming. So we, we see a lot of that white stuff all the time. Plus wind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You get the winds swooping down off the East side of the Rockies. That's right. That's right. So can we start at the beginning in terms of your creative pursuits? Because you mentioned poetry. There's also music in the picture and there's also photography, maybe a little bit. So I'm curious how that creative journey began. Uh, What did it start with? Uh, It started with, it started with poetry. The, um, the uh, spur that as an 11 year old that got me going was my mother gave me a copy of um, the diary of Anne Frank. Hmm. And I was so incredibly moved by the book and her story and she was a very young writer yeah keeping that diary under the most brutal of circumstances and i said to honor anne frank i'm going to keep a a diary right Uh well it's it's uh uh, how many years later (laughs) i won't say uh but many decades and i still keep a journal but in in starting the diary um, I started then scribbling lines for poems mm, and okay. m- miraculously my very first poem, I was, uh, in eighth grade and I gave it, I passed it in class to my, um, my boyfriend who sat next to me at the time <laughs> and, and the teacher caught me oh, and no. he swooped down and he took the poem and put it on his desk. And I was like mortified. Oh, and then no. like eight months, seven months later, I, the, the high school, cause at, in eighth grade, I was part of a high school, the high school literary journal came out and my poem was in it. Oh my goodness. My teacher had put it in <laughs> oh. and I said, that's it. I'm going to be a poet. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's remarkable. Uh, and so yeah. when you were first starting out and sort of exploring what that, that medium meant to you and, and how you could express yourself. Did you have um, any any memorable things that still stick out in your mind that you felt like, I'm getting closer, I'm discovering something? Did you have epiphanies along the way when you were younger that, that solidified it for you even further? Um, I think so. Certainly that, that my eighth grade teacher was instrumental. Um, and my mom was because she, I grew up uh, she, reading poetry. She read it to me. I had Oh, the Child's Garden of Verse, the Lewis Stevenson collection. Mm. Uh, so I was I was already acclimated to the poetic voice. Uh, Tennyson and Frost. My mother loved Frost. Mm. Um, so it was and, encouraged, and the, right? It, it seemed like it was yeah. encouraged in the household then. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, and my my um, my father, uh, who went to college and and. Um, 
graduate school, he w- he became a minister and got his divinity gr- degree late in life. Mm. I had a student, an adult student living in my house, and mm. he used to drag me out of school <laughs> and take me to classes at the college in oh, our really? town where he was going. Um, so I was exposed to to college classrooms and his writing class and his acting class, mm. um, you know, from age eight to 12 when he was in college. Wow. So you, so you I, sort of, you, you got that firsthand experience too, just by being in yeah. the room then. Um, your father then had a lot of inclination towards the arts and wanted to pursue that then a bit alongside. Yeah. The, yes. And yeah. yeah. Uh, and a part of it is it's, it's great training. I mean, if you're going to be a Methodist minister and stand up in a pulpit, yeah. you have to orate. Yeah. You're reading at the time it was the King James ver- version of the Bible, which is a beautiful translation uh-huh. and very poetic. Uh, so, and, and, you know, there was the church choir. So of course the minister's kid has to sing in the choir and uh-huh. all those kind of things. And then my, my parents, both of them, made me take uh, piano music. So the arts were, were very much alive in our household. Mm, okay. And I, you know, my mother dragged me to, to New York to see Broadway shows and things <laughs> like that. Cause sure. she wanted to see them and she had a little buddy she could take <laughs> with her. So, uh, so the whole, the whole arts thing was, was very much a focus in our family. Mm. And at that point you were growing up in New York then uh, around that area or outside of there. Um, I'm, I'm a hillbilly. Um, I, I was born, I was born in, um, Fairmont, West Virginia. Okay. And then, um, when I was 12, 12, my parents moved to Rochester, New York. I see. Because my father was going to the, to the, um, divinity school there. I see. So we totally relocated. So I've been, I've been a New Yorker really many times longer than I've been in West Virginia, but, you know. But do you remember uh, any of that time? Like, uh, you know, I, I'm sure it was a little while back, you know, or maybe do you have any memories of those those days? Sure. And I was writing about them in my little diary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we moved to Rochester, New York in um, June of 1974, of 1964. Mm-hmm. And uh, within two months, the, the race riots broke out. Oh, goodness. So oh. it was. And we were living, my father, even though he was in, in grad school, he was assigned a, a part-time church. Um, and that's part of how he paid his way for, for grad school. And we and our church was an inner city church, like blocks from where the riots were happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and I was going to a high school. I mean, I'd come from this whitey white, um, you know, nice little town in West Virginia. Um, and I ended up in an inner city at a high school with, um, I had never met Jews before. I had never met, well, I had met a few blacks, but I didn't go to school with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so I was exposed and Lithuanians and Ukrainians and all this mishmash of, of, um, in our neighborhood, mm. uh, with all these students who came from, who were first uh, first um, generation Americans and whose parents still spoke Yiddish or Polish or Lithuanian mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And it was wonderful uh, blossoming in mm-hmm. my life because I'd come from this very sheltered um, small town, 
um, you know, whitey white. Uh And I was with all these fascinating new new people Mm -hmm. who who come from different walks of life and different parts of the world. And it was just marvelous. Mm -hmm. Do you remember Mm -hmm. that affecting your writing by any chance, like uh, just seeing perspectives other than your own or, or, you know, where you came from? I think a sensitivity, a greater sensitivity to language Mm. is one of the things that happened. Um, Just because I was hearing so many different, you know, going to a little, you know, I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, going to a girlfriend's house and her parents were speaking Yiddish or her parents were speaking Ukrainian and observing the the different holidays for Mm. their religions. Um, And I think that had. It, it really deepened um, my grasp of the richness of language. Mm, I um, so I, I may have been reading a lot of poetry, which I was, and reading, 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 period. <laughs> yeah. um, and, then, and then hearing um, this polyglot neighborhood that I lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandmother was German, so I grew up um, learning you know, some German. I can get by. And, yeah. Uh, you know, just the sensitivity to language, I think, was the right. biggest impact mm. and different points of view. Absolutely. Um, do you feel that um, there is spirituality or, or that that sort of um, expression fits into your poetry? You know, being the, the daughter of somebody who was involved in, in, um, in a particular faith, do you think that that affected your writing in some way? Um. I think I think that word spirituality is exactly the right word. Um, I've since become an atheist, mm. uh, but I have a very rich spiritual life. And I'm a very lot of curious. Has- yeah, oh, sorry to interject. Um, I'm I'm very curious about that just because of of how one begins in a family and and then you you are, uh, I guess you inherit some of these beliefs and then you you have to make your own decision whether that's something that's going to fit into your life. Yeah. I'm curious how that process was for you. Um, and I'm say, saying this as a recovering Catholic, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. just, just generally curious. It, it's, it, it's an interesting path. Um, I think a lot of it was I, I was rebelling. Um, and I even later in life, in my early 40s, I went back to church just to give it another chance. Mm. And it, I just, it wasn't, it's not me. That's not what I believe. I believe I'm much more pagan. um, (laughs) And I, you know, I believe we're part of the earth and all animals. And that, that if there's a God or goddess, it's within that the human mind Mm. really is the source of our um, spirituality, our brains. Yeah. Um, and our ability to, you know, uh, weigh things and discern things. And mm-hmm. so I ended up being much more on the scientific I end see. of things. I thought I was going to be a biologist for a long time. Oh, is that right? What yeah. drew you to but that? I, um, I just, I had my father when he took me to classes at the, at the college. And I was a kid, oh. I went to biology class and the teacher, <laughs> the professor loved it. And he gave me my own lab station, and I dissected oh. my frogs and worms and all that kind of stuff as an eight-year-old, right? Oh my goodness! So, and, and and if you read, especially, I have I don't know eight books maybe that are my travel books, mm. poems that I wrote from traveling the world, 
all nature imbued. Mm. Um, and I use a lot of scientific uh, language and nomenclature in a lot of my poems. I find it a, a wonderful uh, poetic um, language of its own, yeah, the scientific yeah. languages, whether it's of geology or chemistry. I just did one uh, a long poem in the last couple months about um, using the the elements of the periodic table oh, as, right? as ways of, of describing a person. It's mm. a portrait of actually three people, but a portrait done with the, the elements that speak that express their personalities so yeah that, that's, I, get, I get geeky sometimes. <laughs> no but that's great because you're finding ways to incorporate your own your own interests and in creating frameworks out of those those things that you that you're passionate about people shape their poetry in their own way and uh and they bring a lot of this stuff into the work and i'm very intrigued by that because it seems like um Maybe you began a certain way, but you went more from religion to the scientific aspect of it. And and I don't mean to to pry about this, but I'm no, genuinely curious okay. because religion is just something that it that permeates a lot of my work. And I I'm curious what did it for you in the sense of going away from religion? Was there a specific moment where you said, This isn't for me? Or this yeah. has been causing a, a kind of harm to me, perhaps. Yeah. I think some of it was just the gestalt of the time that I grew up in. I went to college the year Ms. Magazine was launched. So I I was part of that, uh, the inaugural, I guess, um, um, feminist movement. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to a woman's college. Oh. Um, so I think that was a chunk of it. But sadly, um, very sadly, um, it was my father who who turned me off because here he is a man, he was a man of the cloth, mm. uh, ordained Methodist minister, mainstream, not you know some strange little church around the corner, um, and he abandoned my mother oh. and married a parishioner and ran off to Texas, oh, leaving my mother stranded. Oh, with wow. no income. I mean, he gave up. He got kicked out of the church. He lost his job. Oh, uh, wow. And he lived on his new wife um, off of her. And because he had no income, um, he never paid alimony. Oh, my goodness. Um, and my mother went on welfare. My bro I was I was just I was just starting work as a career mm -hmm. in my career. My brother was working. We we tried to help her as much as we could. But yeah. You know, it was really devastating. And it's wow. like, if that's what church has to offer, I don't want any part of it. I see. Um, and then I started studying because I like that's the research geek in me. Yeah. And I started studying and I read the history of religions. I read comparative religion, you know, uh, books. Uh, I the source of the goddess religions and, and when God was a woman and all those texts you know the feminist theological texts mm -hmm. and i just said no no i'm just <laughs> gonna live with i'm gonna be world you know william wordsworth and live in nature mm. and celebrate the beauty of the planet around right. us right and our place in it yeah 
Do you feel like uh, your writing at the time was was an act of of healing uh, from from some of that, or did you use writing in such a way to heal from those family experiences that you had? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, poetry has always been for me a healing art. Uh, when I lost my beloved husband five years ago, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, I was writing, he, he died of dementia and I would, I was writing as it was happening mm. oh, at what has turned out to be a whole collection that traces his dementia, his death. And then the time my post with my widowhood and, and my emergence from that mm. grief. Yeah. Um, so I've always used, I've, and just writing a nature poem is healing just in the, the calmingness. It's like a, it's like meditating. Mm. Um, I mean, traditional, you know, Buddhist meditate is very much meditative process mm. for me. Yeah. So healing and, and challenging, um, the norms of, you know, this is, this is, you know, I got all kinds of poems about it that are pretty satirical about um uh, religion and but that but then on the other hand um, i mentioned before you know the king james version of the bible which is so beautiful um poetic um i have i mean my one of my favorite pieces of writing ever is the 23rd psalm mm. uh yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i shall fear no evil blah 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 mm -hmm. and i have i don't know got to be close to 30 parodies of the 23rd religion of the 23rd psalm and they're not they're not lambasting religion they're just i'm just borrowing that that framework and verse by verse of writing some some of them are funny some of them are beautiful and that you know they're it's i'm expressing um my wonder at mother nature uh, they're all over the place, but it's just a curious thing that I keep going every once in a while. Oh, it's time to do a 23rd Psalm parody. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a go-to comfort, it seems, right? Yeah. To to go back. And to it's that. one of those things, you know, when uh people say, I, I hear I hear so often, I certainly see it on Twitter. Oh, I can't write. I've got writer's block. What yeah. am I gonna do? And I'm like, no, ain't no such thing as writer's block. You put that pen on the page and you write. And and things like the twenty third Psalm are like when I'm like, what do I want to write? What 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 do I feel? Yeah. Um, and I'll oh, let me play with one of these. And I and then I get rolling, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um oh, that's... So it's kind of a little comfort. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh I was curious if you have any moments in your artistic pursuits where things just weren't panning out in the work. You know, because we talk about writer's block, but I think there are yeah. some point in times when maybe you're pursuing a specific project and things aren't really lining up or there's there's just not something that's clicking there. And I'm curious if if you have any memories of something just completely backfiring and what you did to get out of it. Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I don't get stuck very often. Um, Why is that? I, and, and I, I guess I think it's because I've got so many things going at once. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I have a a book I'm just now finishing um, that I'll be sending out to people to beg for blurbs, you know. <laughs> um, so it's that close. And then I've got the the 
the collection and another full length collection that's poems I wrote about my husband's uh, demise, death, and life after. Um, and then I've got got one about uh, I wrote a whole book about um, Leonard Cohen. Oh. Uh, I'm sh I've been shopping that one around. I, I think I have six or seven manuscripts oh wow so if i you know if i hit like a bump um in in the one i'm working on the most that i'm trying to get finished hmm. um i'll just put it aside for a couple of weeks and oh uh, let me dip into this or let me do at least something mechanical you know so oh, oh i better do I, I haven't done the table of contents yet yeah. you know those yeah, things yeah. that are just kind of wrote or like administrative stuff for the work yeah the administrative yeah. you know that ticky tacky stuff that you got that you gotta have but it's a good way to like at least be at your keyboard get something done and then oh all of a sudden you're loosened up mm. and that's what my journal does for me too mm. i'll start writing in my journal yeah and my journal will let me know what's really going on up right. here you know so, by page three what's really going on up here is starting to to emerge and then i go to the back of the journal and i start working on the poem. Mm. well it's a julia cameron school of thought right where you you yeah. have to just get it out of your system then you'll be able to assess once it's on paper what's wrong yeah. or what the block is and then everything else kind of seems uh bearable or or doable but i i do think that i'm kind of like that too in that i need to have several projects going at the same time if not, I just feel like I can't be beholden to one thing. Um, and I mean, I, I don't have the <laughs> the mental bandwidth to kind of manage everything, but I'm kind of forcing it through. But it seems to work for you, right? You feel like this yeah. is the best way to, yeah. to have many things in the hopper, as they say. Yeah, I had done for, I think it's nine years, I had done a blog. And then when Roger, my husband, died, I just... As he, right before, I mean, I just, I couldn't write it anymore. I just, mm -hmm. it, and I stopped and I, and I let it go. Um, and just last year I said, you know what? It's time to start a new blog. Oh yeah. And so I did, and it's a totally different, uh, animal. Mm -hmm. And it keeps me every two weeks. I have to put something in writing in prose. So it keeps my hand in prose oh, okay. real well. So what were you, what was your previous blog about? What were you covering then? And, and what are you covering now? More prose? Oh, you said? Yeah, good one. Um, the previous one was called uh, Vagabond Poet. Um, and what it did was uh, follow my husband and I um, around um, all our, our various journeys and travels. Mm. And photo and and I have been doing photography since I was a teenager. My brother was um, an amateur photographer who let me in the dark room and taught me how to do it. And gave <laughs> me his camera when he got a, a new thirty five mil. Mm. Um, so you know, photography and uh, of our travels and poems that arose from those travels, um, different, just mostly uh, adventures in nature and birds mm. and. I see. you know alligators and stuff <laughs> and then this new one um is called the muses refugia and a refugia is a specific scientific term for a very small area of geography 
that is home to a unique species that that species grows nowhere else on the planet. And the refugia is that place. Um, and what I want with my new blog is to bring the arts, all of the muses, in, into this space, that this is a place where the muses can thrive. I absolutely love that. Just first and foremost, I, I think that's a, such a beautiful uh, expression. Uh, and funny that you found it in, in your scientific research. And, and yeah. there's just such a wonderful overlap of poetry in in that language and i think that alone explains what you what you're what you've done <laughs> for a long time um just from a an outside perspective here um but i'm, I'm well really... it's where the guitar thing comes in too yeah tell me uh, about that oh god <laughs> uh well it started with my brother um in fact in fact i'm gonna read you if i may when i i'll make my comment then i'll read you one of the poems of course um my brother played played the guitar when I was, so I was eight, he was five years older. He picked up the guitar as a young teenager. You know, it's chick bait, uh, <laughs> I mean, to this day. So yeah. I was exposed to it, but I was taking piano lessons. I hated them. I hated the piano. And I thought, and my brother could sing as well as play, and I couldn't sing very well. And um, I thought I was musically broken. And mm. then, um i got the idea uh that oh i think i want to write a i want to write a whole bunch of poems about guitars mm. and guitarists um and i started researching um i read biographies autobiographies histories of modern music watched a million youtubes um and in the process of when i started the book this thing um oh there it I, is there it is <laughs> um i said you know what if i'm gonna learn if i'm gonna write about these guitarists and their instruments i should know a lot more about the instrument mm. so i went out and i bought a wonderful beautiful guitar and i started to play two and a half years ago oh wow uh, yeah i love it i mean there's there's two of my guys behind me. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite is out in the living room. And then I have another one that's being made as we speak. Mm. Um, the, and I love it. I'm not very good. I'm getting there. Um, but I, it's so, it's so pleasurable. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Can't agree. And then once I got the notion, um, and there's a, there's a Genesis poem in the book about how it actually the moment that I said, boom, book, guitar, guitarist, you know? <laughs> um, but I, I realized I had in, already in among my poems over the years, several poems about guitars mm. and they became, and, and, and guitarists, and they became the core of the book that I then wrote the rest of the, mm. the book around. So let me see if I, let me find my brother's poem. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this one I wrote in 2011, so um, a while ago. Mm. And I didn't, you know, I didn't even think of it as a guitar poem. Um, let me catch my breath. Okay, it's called The Instrument of Happily Ever After. In storage, steel strings go slack. 
Laravie groans, bored out of her frets, out of tune and tunes, half mad with disuse. A guitar can get claustrophobic too. After four plus months clamped into a form-fitting case, red crush of velvet, black bonds of leather. A wooden atrophy sets in. That woman's guest room may be safe if a note too cheery for Larravee's tastes. An audience is not among its furnishings. It's not the little sister's fault she can't play her dead bros chords, would make his simplest ballad blush. Larravee misses her Moses. Larravee misses his fingers, his voice. Larravee mutely sighs. But she's the silent urn of his soul. Therefore, her keeper, the poet, promises Larravee, one day you will be free from the hard-shelled purgatory of your muffled grief. Larravee, a prince named Matt McGee, will come for you, and together you will do the old songs. Do Dylan, do Rogers, do Merrifield again and again and again. An Irish lad from New York City shall rescue you my guitar named Larravee, legacy of the folk singer named Moses, whose soul goes on in the sound of music. Oh, I, I love that so much. <laughs> those, <laughs> those poems, especially when you interweave the, um, the grief of the guitar, <clears throat> they strike a chord and I, I have to, uh, preface all of this by saying I, I come from a family of musicians. Oh, good. Yeah, my grandfather was a mariachi musician. My dad's a musician, and so are my my cousins and everyone. And those are the kinds of works that really get to the core of me. <laughs> they really make wow. me feel something. So I I really applaud that because it seems like you you wove your own grief into your brother's yeah. instrument. It's very powerful. Um, what do you? Does it does it help you recollect? Does it does it bring back memories? How does that make you feel now reading that after after a while? Uh, funny you should ask. Um, in December, uh, early December, um, a friend was visiting from England, and she and I went to the beach. And I said, "I'm sorry." I said, "Enjoy enjoy the sunshine. Go swimming. Walk the beach." I said, "I have to I have to proofread this. Mm. The proof had come." And I sat on the beach, uh, proofing the, the book, and I got to the Laravee poem, because Laravee, by the way, is a brand of guitar, if you didn't know. Um, and um, I don't have one yet, but. <laughs> uh, so, and I sat there and I said, and she was I don't know, eating her lunch or sketching or something, and all of a sudden I just went, I put my hand on her arm and I, mm. she said, what's wrong? And I said, this poem made me cry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wrote that poem, like I said, in 2011. Uh -huh. I have typed it. I have looked at it before it went to the public. I mean, all the stages of a book, right? Yeah. And I'm at the 11th hour reading the proof uh, copy, and I, I just burst into tears. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like my own, and, and that blows me away when my own poems can still make me cry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, 
Like, how'd that happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it shows a tremendous sense of, of humanity and care. And I was just speaking to another poet earlier today who who mentioned that the the poems are a form of time travel, right? You Ooh, yeah. You you go back and and you're able to to summon moments uh so vividly, so truthfully that you forget for a moment you're you're at the beach and you're back again with your loved one. And um that's such a powerful, powerful thing. Um for me, it, it happens rarely uh with poems because I'm still I still consider myself a student of them, but I wrote a poem about my grandfather and He's been gone since '09, and uh, he he helped raise us. He was such a big part of our lives. And, um, you know, I I miss him dearly, and I I did write a poem in my collection, and I read it, you know, a little while back, and it was that same thing where you feel like I'm in that moment where you see him having dinner, you know, in this specific time and place, and it's such a powerful thing that you are able to do through your art and your work, and it's it's just such a a lovely way to honor somebody. And I, I think it's very successful, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take you there to that moment. Oh, no, um, no, no, no. But, I mean, I just, you know, I mean, my brother is with me every time I pick up a guitar. Yeah. Um, and that's part of how I hold, you know, hold him in my life now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just been, and I carry even my, my notebook for, you know, that I'm working from for, with all the sheet music and stuff crammed in it, there's a picture of my brother holding his Martin guitar. Oh. Uh, and he goes with me every, you know, he's oh, there every sweet. single day I practice. Um, so, yeah. you know, um, I'm, I'm curious, working on, on learning the guitar, learning something new, how does that translate to your other work? Because I know that that must have an impact on on the work that you're doing and, and how is it informing you now in learning wow. it at this stage? I think I am, um, I have a much heightened awareness of rhythm. I mean, I, I think I have a natural sense of rhythm that that's in my lines. I think my lines generally are, and if they're, if they're like this, you know, that's for a reason, but, um, but I've I I know a difference in my writing now in terms of rhythm mm. uh, has just become come you know much more to the fore my consciousness of it or my awareness of it or it's it's already in my hands because I've been playing the guitar or listening to music mm. and so when I start and I can do that I can start I can listen to to I'm a good imitator. Mm. And I, you know, I, when I used to act in college, I mean, it, it was amazing. It, you know, I could just, um, I could listen to somebody and I could start talking like them and mimicking them. And it's very much the same with music. Mm. I, the, that, those, the different rhythms, like uh, just, I'm more conscious of, of rhythm. Right. Right. Um, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because it does start bleeding into the other creative um creative aspects of your life but you also performed then back in back in college then you did uh some acting i did a i did uh, my my college i we had trimesters back then mm. 
uh, I did a play every trimester for four years. Oh, wow. <laughs> I did, I'm a ham, you know, so, I like to get up in front of people. Um, I have no, no qualms except music. I played mm. my guitar in public at a, at a poetry reading last a week ago today. Mm. First time in public. Wow. I was a nervous wreck. I can do poetry readings, love them, no problem. Playing music was a different thing, <laughs> but I did it. It yeah. was part of, it was integral to the reading I was doing because I'm reading from the guitar book. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and, and I, I've been writing these little tiny, um, I call them tonal poems. And most of them, I think like 20 of them, they're haiku that I set to music and mm. sing. Um, and some of them are fun and funny um and some of them are serious and some of them are quirky so i did two i performed two tonal poems and and then i did uh, i said you know what am i going to do for this crowd that <laughs> i can do and i did um i played the chords uh basically the rhythm track for a song that I know everybody knows. Mm -hmm. And it's short, it's a waltz. And I played, I said, all right, raise your hands if you know what the song is. And it's just the rhythm track, you know, the chords. And no hands went up, but I said, okay, here's the melody. And then I played the melody line. I, I botched a couple notes, but, <laughs> and sh my God, amazing grace. Oh, wow. <laughs> they They figured it out. I mean, there were, I was five notes into it and I'm the heads are going, you know, <laughs> but, and I, you know, but I did it and I, people came up to me afterwards, you know, they were like, Oh, you were wonderful. That was so mm -hmm. brave of you. And I mm -hmm. said, yeah. I said, believe me, I, I, I've been a nervous wreck for about a week, yeah, you know? yeah. but you overcame but, and you were able to incorporate yeah. this new skill into into your performance which i think is and it, is and, it, awesome. and it related to the poems i had selected mm -hmm. so yeah. uh, it tied in and it was only like you know two minutes worth of music out of the mm -hmm. 25 minute read so yeah. Uh, yeah but it you know that's what i, I learned to play the guitar to write this book okay people <laughs> No, I think that's a that's a lovely challenge to take on. You know, if there is something that you that you don't know, you have to go out there and acquire it. You have to have yeah. the the courage to do something like that. And so I, that's pretty admirable, in my opinion. If I may ask, during the course of your of your artistic life, have you have you had another profession alongside it that has that has um, you know been a part of your life also? I am very fortunate. I mean, because I can write um, and because God bless her, my mother made me take typing in <laughs> high school. My first job was at a sec as a secretary in an ad agency. Oh, and I, I knew I didn't want to be a juror. I mean, I wanted to write for a living, mm. but I knew that journalism wasn't really where I wanted to go. Mm. Um, but I figured marketing, ah. uh, there are these things called copywriters. <laughs> um, I could be one of those. And that's what happened. I mean, I started an ad agency. I met people. They gave me a break here. You know, try this freelance assignment, that uh -huh. kind of thing. Yeah. And 
I made a career in marketing all the way up to creative director at oh, a bad agency and then marketing director at a state college. Hmm. So I used words every day of my life. Oh, that's I wrote such a ads, blessing. radio spots, wrote video scripts, mm -hmm. uh, wrote speeches. I mean, you name it, I did it. <laughs> um, so I had a good career um, and made you know made a living, and I kept fresh. You know, yeah. I was always yeah. writing, and I was always critiquing the writers on my staff mm -hmm. who reported to me. Right. You know, so I learned a lot about editing. Um, and I kept fresh and, and, and really, when you think about a, an ad or 30 second radio spot, I mean, that's, that's, that's a 30 second play, right. Mm. Um, or an ad is a poem squeezed into, you know, a half page, quarter page, whatever it is, yeah. you're, 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 it has to be tight as tight can be. Yeah. Um, and you practice and the art of omission, right? every single moment yeah all the time so i also then learned how to be a good editor because i was editing other people mm. um and and i kept kept my my feet in the water i mean i was also writing poems mm. at home but yeah uh the work kept me kept me really fresh mm. and now the nifty thing is I'm one of those poets, and I always, when I'm pitching a book, um, I pitch that I have experience in marketing. I know how to do this thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not a lot of poets do. Mm. Um, so I'm now able to market my stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So when you were, you know, working full time and had, you know, so much to do, how did you manage to find time <laughs> to, to do? the poetry alongside you know your full-time job or family life and, and these things how did that work out for you uh well first of all i did i never had children mm. so i don't have that part of the equation to cope with mm. um but i think a good example is when my husband was really failing i mean it's it was awful for three years mm. I, and i was a caretaker 24 7 yeah uh, with some relief but not a lot uh -huh. Um, and I would tuck him in at bed into bed at night, right across the hall. Um, so I could hear if, you know, he was restless or anything. Yeah. Um, and I, every single night wrote, mm. I sat down at, at my, in, either in the chair in my study or mm -hmm. at the desk. And I wrote, I wrote yeah. a whole, I wrote a whole book his last year, which was the worst. Um, I wrote a whole book in one year. Oh wow! Um, that had nothing to do with what was going on with him. Um, it, it just poured out, and mm. it, that was my, uh, you know, the little thing on the pressure cooker that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an that escape. Was my, right. That was my escape, and for two hours, as exhausted as I was, he was out of my hair. I hear him if something went wrong, like he tried to get out of bed or something. Um, but I could just get lost in poetry for, for two hours mm -hmm. yeah. or an hour and a half. Until oh, I, nice. know, yeah. My head hits the death. <laughs> <laughs> but you, it seems like you definitely deserve those breaks and those moments of clarity to just focus on something that is 
that is peaceful, that is bringing you a bit of nourishment during those really yeah. difficult times. Yeah. Um, in, in a sense, um, I guess, let me ask you this. Do you feel that um, you need community to be a poet? How does community and poetry come together? <clears throat> Um, I, I, the community part, I think happens. Um, I mean, we need each other for support. I mean, that's one of the things for me. I mean, I've been on Twitter for years, but I haven't really used it until mm. the last year. I think, you know, with COVID, so many people found so many new creative avenues to pursue to, to, to save their sanity through the lockdown <laughs> and whatnot. Um, Huh. Um, community. I I guess because I belong to four different poetry societies. Um, Lovely. Because I have yeah, Florida, New York, my home, you know, Rochester, uh, our group up north. Um, I actually two in Florida and and then New Mexico, because I go to New Mexico every year. It's kind of a spiritual Mm. Mm-hmm. um hub for me and i know lots of new mexico poets so i'm part of that community so i get my community fixes uh, you know through twitter twitter has been a delight mm-hmm. we are so supportive of each other it is astonishing yeah um i have found and i don't read i mean there's a lot i see a lot of like sci-fi fantasy writers um and that's not a genre i deal in but they've opened my eyes to different to different um, ways of looking at things. I mean, mm-hmm. I read my first fantasy novel. I think this. I just finished it yesterday um, from a fellow who's who I know on Twitter. Oh, great! I, and I and I ventured there because um, he, I just think he's adorable. He's my Twitter crush, but um, <laughs> he, he just makes it seem so real. And I probably hadn't read any fantasy since. I don't know, Lord of the Rings, maybe. <laughs> I mean, a long time ago. <laughs> and I had a blast. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think, you know, for me, community is, um, I mean, we you still keep learning. You never stop learning. I go, you know, I take workshops. I give workshops for different groups. Um, and we have readings. So we get to hear each other's voices. And, and, and I think it's the community part is, a lot of it is is affirmation, mm. um, not just for what I'm doing, but my affirmation for what those poets who I know and follow and cherish mm. uh, are doing and celebrate their successes. Yeah. Um, so community is kind of the, the writing part is, you know, that just takes place up here in, in your mm-hmm. fingertips or whatever. Um, but the the sharing of poetry, the joy in poetry the support that we can provide each other um, is just marvelous. I mm. love, and I've, I never served as a president of one of these groups, but I've been on the boards, you know, and you pay your dues mm-hmm. to, you know, to help others, you know, make their way along the path. Right. Right. And nurture young writers Yeah, and support, you know, you know, people who, you know, who say, Oh my God, I just got my 42nd rejection from this. <laughs> For this manuscript, yeah, you know, you hold each other's hand, mm-hmm. you know, and being with you today is part of, you know, being in community. Mm-hmm. What you're doing um, is is creating 
um, you know, kind of a national community with mm. people that you're reaching out to who, you know, I will listen to. Right. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's definitely spot on. And, and why I love Twitter so much is is you're able to just interact with the most wonderful people who are cheering you on. And honestly, given that the world is on fire most of the time, it's kind of nice to get a fresh sense of, of support and, yeah. and understanding, yeah. uh, which is kind of hard to come by these days. But I yeah, I, I no got, kidding. <laughs> I got two more questions for you to be mindful okay. of your time. Um, firstly, for those folks who are starting out in in the creative pursuit, whether it's poetry or music or or just the act of expression, what are some things that that you know are tried and true? I know we've covered a lot of them, but what are some things that that you know for a fact work? I have I have two words for people who are struggling or people who are eager to to go down the path or starting it and are tentative my two words are show up put the pen on the page the fingers mm -hmm. on the keyboard um if it's crap it's crap somewhere in all that what looks like or sounds like garbage there's something in there that you can pull out and then go somewhere else with mm. um and and i say it over and over again just show up uh-huh you know you're hung over you just had a fight with your husband the kid the the dog just puked on the floor whatever it is mm -hmm. you know you can put it aside and just sit down and put one word after the other and you know maybe it's 10 minutes maybe it's 15 minutes yeah but you can't do it if you don't show up so I, I tell, I, you know, and when I was teaching, when I retired from Mark, I retired young at 50 because my husband was much older and we could afford to do it. Mm. Um, and I, for seven years, I went into the English department college where I was marketing director mm. and I taught English. I taught composition to freshmen. Oh, lovely. You know, lovely. The, I mean, the crappiest job, one of the crappiest jobs there is. But I really, I just taught one class um, in the fall semester for seven years, but it was my way of giving back mm -hmm. because someone, I mean, professors, teachers at high school encouraged me. Mm -hmm. And if I could unlock the writing gift, not to be grow up and be a poet or anything, but, you know, you have to write to survive in this world. Yeah. You know, you got to write a business letter or a proposal or whatever it is, a pitch. Um, and I, so for seven years, uh, for slave wages, which is what adjuncts are paid, mm. um, I did that course. And, you know, I touched 30 students times seven years. Yeah. Um, and if I had, if I, you know, nudged five of them forward, I did something <laughs> to give back. Right. Oh, that's, that's incredible. And I wish that we could talk about that a little bit more, but I just got one more for you. One okay. more. Um, and You're we've, good. We, we've talked about this at length, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but um, what has this creative life done for you? Um, why should we invest in creativity for ourselves? 
that's the great creativity is the greatest achievement of mankind. Uh, and this is what I, this is part of our evolutionary path. We were given these powerful brains, uh, and the most beautiful thing we can do is create. Um, some people do it through having children. Um, artists, dancers, poets, musicians do it through, maybe they have their children too, but they do it through their art. Um, and I think it's the high, I mean, you walk in, you know, you, I'll never forget standing in front of the, the statue of Michelangelo's David in Florence and weeping. Mm. I mean, tears, I mean, college kid, tears bursting <laughs> my eyes, seeing this magnificent sculpture. It's the greatest thing we can do. Um, and it, and it's it's back to certainly back to the healing thing. It's healing. You look at a piece of art. I mean, there's a guy on Twitter. What's his Daryl App? I think he's from I don't know Norway, somewhere up the Scandinavian countries. He, he posts beautiful works of art, mm. and they're just they, the thirty seconds I spend with that post, that mm. tweet. Just I can feel my blood pressure go down. <laughs> You know, and I, I'm always thanking him because it's just beautiful, beautiful pieces of, you know, oil paintings and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, whether it's art or music or it's the most beautiful, I think it's just the, the highest achievement of mankind mm. is to be creative. Beautiful, beautiful work, beautifully said. And uh, I think that about does it, Carla. So thank you so much right. for your time. Oh, thank you. Uh, this has been wonderful. No, I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm sorry we, di we didn't cover a lot. I always feel like we're missing out on a lot of other stuff. But, you know, maybe maybe next time when you have something coming out, feel free to let me know and I'll be sure to get the word out. Okay. But um, I right. thank you so much for, uh, well, for what you, you do. Yeah. All so right. I'll, I'll be in touch, though. So uh, don't be okay. a stranger. Well, Make sure to say hi. Oh, I will. Thank you. You have a beautiful style, by the way. Oh, well, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. I, it's just kind of nice right. to get to know folks. So, yeah. yeah, I'll be in touch, though, real soon. Uh, let me let me bug you over email real quick, okay? Okay. All, All right. right. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Mwah.